Welcome back to another edition of the Cairo London podcast, and today it's all about rugby. We have Damien Hopley lined up as a guest, and Damien is not only a World Cup winning for England Sevens player back in 1993, but he's also the founder and CEO of the RPA, the Rugby Players Association, and he tells a great story as to how he suffered a heartbreaking career-ending injury in 96 as captain of the England Sevens and how that led him to realise that there was basically no support for any players that were retiring from rugby, either prematurely or just uh, a standard retirement. And so he said about his mission was to give back to the game of rugby, and he created the Rugby Players Association from nothing. And to this day, they support the mental well-being, the uh, physical well-being, the careers financially, all sorts of different ways, rugby players that have finished their playing career and transitioning into the next phase of their life. So it's a really good, interesting convo. We get into how he walks the talk, though. So he kind of, I guess, as the CEO of the RPA, he feels like he has to keep himself in good shape. And aside from the fact he's, he claims that it's because he's quite vain uh, and single and has to keep himself in good shape for that reason, uh, it's actually because of the fact that he just uh, really likes to be healthy and well. And he's a regular down at Putney Chiropractic, has been since 2008, but he's also into yoga, meditation, Pilates, spin, and anything else, you know, positive, uh, healthy podcasts, um, anything that can actually help expand his mind and allow him to be uh, healthier or in better shape than he was previously. So hope you enjoy this one. Uh, It's a great chat. Thanks for joining, Damien. And there he is. That is a miracle of modern technology that I've actually worked out how this works. Morning, chat. Mate, uh, when I first asked you about this, uh, you told me you were an excellent guest. So uh, surely you've done this thing before. <laughs> no pressure. My word. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, before we get stuck in, what are you drinking then? Uh, just a nice little 79 Collective blended coffee for my Jura, Jura coffee machine. With uh, Yeah, it's very good. Well, I'm joining you there. I've gone for the... Uh, ground coffee society caveman blend it's 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 one of the many wonderful things that i've discovered in my life having met you craig all the <laughs> go when we had we shared a bunk bed in switzerland and <laughs> we've never looked back have we we were in separate beds just so we're clear before mrs mclean gets up <laughs> that yeah we should go back to mate uh there's there's a lot of few little stories to tell there i think uh but yeah i mean just finishing up on the coffee ground coffee society don't quite know it yet but uh we are going to be in fierce negotiations with them for them to sponsor the Cairo london podcast so oh, it's um, honestly it's i like i I, I Airbnb my house, right, when I'm not around, which is clearly not happening for the next few months, years. But And I put on my, like, house guide. I said, listen, forget everything else. Walk over Putney Bridge, take a right and head to 79, Grand Coffee Society, as was, and just indulge in the best coffee there is. It is unbelievable. And when I take people, they're like, my God, you know, who knew? So 
Thank you. <laughs> now, Damien Hopley, for those of those that don't know you, rugby royalty. <laughs> hey, now I, I did, I, I don't like to do too much research for these things. I like to keep it fresh, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh. <laughs> However, I did put a call in to Chris Cracknell and uh, I'm like, uh, it's a bit... It's a bit vague, this whole history of what Hoppers has actually done with rugby to me. Can you fill in the gaps, right? Because you're a pretty humble guy. And so then he goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's won a World Cup. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I did. I, I still wear the medal to bed most nights. And, uh, you know, um, I, did, I did. I was part of the Sevens team. And obviously Chris Cracknell himself, a Sevens legend, both on the field playing and coaching with Fiji, winning the first ever seventh world um, Olympic gold medal many moons ago uh, in 2016 in Rio. Yeah. But we were very lucky. We were part of a team that won the World Cup, the inaugural World Cup sevens in 1993. We were, uh, <laughs> the tournament was in Edinburgh and I was a st student at St Andrews until the year before. So, of course, I knew Edinburgh very well. So we, I think in rugby league, they call it bonding. And on the first night we got to Edinburgh, I said, listen, let's just go out and you know, acquaint ourselves with the local watering holes. And uh, we did. We had a spectacular evening. And it's fair to say we didn't look back. And then six days later, we're crowned world champions, much to everyone's astonishment, not least ourselves. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, and as I've often said, they can't take that away from you. So uh, it's been, uh, yeah, that, that, was a, that was an incredible time. It was an, and a wonderful group of people and, you know, a long, long time ago now. But I did find some footage on YouTube, and I'm, uh, I'm afraid technology doesn't allow us to show uh, you in your baggy white shirt. Um, but was, uh, was it black and white Pathé News? That's what I want to know. <laughs> had a slight sepia tone to it, but... Uh... <laughs> Um, no, but in that team was the very young Lawrence Dalio and Matt Dawson, right, among others. Oh, to this day, the only people to have won a Sevens World Cup and a Fifteens World Cup, whilst others from the from the land of the long white cloud have won double back-to-back -back World Cups. Um, yeah, no, no other players in the world have ever, or, and dare I say, it, will ever win Fifteens and Sevens uh, World Cups. But then also, you just happen to be playing against in the final. Uh, yes. The Australian team that also happened to include the legend, which was Campo. Well, Michael Liner, Willie Offenengawi, Matt Burke, uh, David Campesi, um, and Ryan Constable. I mean, several others. Yeah. So in those days, sevens was sort of like an adjunct to 15s. Like you sort of played both. Now you're very much separate. But. Yeah, and and the the, the 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 New Zealand team had Eric, the great Eric Rush in it. The Fiji team, who we beat, had Wasali Sarevi in it. Uh, the South African team, who we beat, had Chester Williams, Ruben Kruger, Yus van der Vesthuis, and so all of these like household names. And literally, we were a ragtag bunch of blokes who England threw together just to make up numbers. Led by the, I mean, you talk about rugby royalty, Andy Harriman. Who was our captain? Who was who was at the time? He was doing sort of uh, sprint training with Linford Christie uh, at what is now the Linford Christie Stadium, and he was clocking two hundred meter Olympic qualifying times for the semi-finals. Right, so get the ball to Andy was the sort of general team tactic, 
And as he motored past Campo in the opening minute of the of this final, and I was injured at this point, as was most of my rugby career, you know, we're just going bananas. And then, and then Tim Rodber scored, and then I think Nick Beale scored, and 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 then Australia came back, and look, we we held on at the end of three grueling days to, uh, to, to, to lift the Melrose cup. And, uh, and, and again, being a sort of relative local in the, in Scotland, I uh, managed to take the team out for another spectacular night with the, with the, with the trophy intact. As, as with the good old days. Um, yeah. Amazing, mate. Um, and uh, by the way, I was like, this is a gift from you. You gave this to me, right? And I was like, oh, that's nice of him, you know, giving me a little bit of Wallabies merchandise. And then I've kind of taken it off and looked at the side here. And yeah. the June 2016 edition uh, yeah. of England, was it England? or Yeah, England playing uh, the Aussies. I think we, we did you. <laughs> well, the Wallabies. Yeah, we did you 3-0 down there. And uh, at the time, Fox Sports had created this appalling, appallingly, Australian uh, advert with Horan and Rod Cafe and all these people, George Gregan laughing about how England had got knocked out of the Ram World Cup by Australia. And then we did you, we absolutely took your trousers down and did you 3 0 in your home turf, never done before or since, a whitewash. It was magnificent. I was there in Brisbane with a great mate of mine, Richard Bell. And uh, Belly and I, even though he's Australian, were, were having a brilliant time enjoying England rampaging against Australia. Unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad I brought, re, re, <laughs> rediscovered that pain as I found that hat again there this morning. Um, hey, look, but congratulations, mate, on your recently uh, delivered MBE. Well deserved. Thank- well, you're very kind. Yeah. Um, the, the, the funny thing is, um, I found out about this in early December and you are sort of sworn to secrecy not to tell anyone. And of course, December being December and sort of going into lockdown two and a half, um, you know, and, and you have a few drinks and suddenly you're like, oh, I've got some news, but you can't tell anyone. So I think I told a couple of people, I hadn't even told my parents, I was going to tell my mum on Christmas Day, but my brother said, listen, she can't keep mum, right? She'll tell everyone. And, and then it sort of all goes a bit pear-shaped. So, so yeah, it was – and I tell you what, mate, it has been brilliant since the, the, the honour. A, it's a recognition of not just me, but the work that my fantastic team or, our, you know, our group does on behalf of the players. But also, uh, you know, um, just the number of people who've written the most wonderful messages to me to say, well done, congratulations, thoroughly deserved. And, uh, you know, last year was a very bad, bad year for many, many people. Sport was affected in, in quite a big way. Rugby was very much affected. So at the end of what was a pretty shitty year, it was a very good sort of uh, conclusion. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. And, and uh you know, uh, particularly for my parents, who've been an incredible source of support for me throughout my playing days. And, you know, and then obviously when my career ended, which was a heartbreaking moment for all of us, I think, um, to sort of be able to share that news uh, was very, very special. And, uh, you know, mum and dad are still uh, around, 84 and 82 respectively, and going strong. And uh, hope very much that they can be with me when uh, when the big day comes and, and and we're allowed to go up to the palace. Yeah, so a a cup of tea invite has been included with the uh, <laughs> with the award, right? Yeah. 
Mate, well done, well deserved. But look, I, I want to go into that anyway because uh, what you've actually been doing for rugby because it's uh, quite a story you have to tell. And let's go back to that '93 World Cup though. What, what was your actual injury? Because I noticed you you didn't play in the final because you got injured in the semi or something, didn't you? I was a walking. I mean, I've got a I've got a, um, a, a physio record which is like the sort of a Dostoevsky. Uh, novel you know I mean it is you know like war and peace and peace again you know it's brutal so every, I've injured so many things um, but I mean that was a calf injury ankle wrist but then my big injury was a knee injury I was actually I was very lucky I was made captain in England sevens team in 1996 out in Hong Kong so I, yeah I suffered this knee injury playing in uh, Hong Kong sevens with England and um Sort of spent like maybe 18, 20 months trying to get my practice again. You know, had a couple of pretty poor medical diagnoses. Ended up having, you know, operation after operation. My cruciate ligament had gone, my, my um, posterior, my anterior, my, my, menis- my lateral meniscus. And um, anyway, so I sort of fudged around trying to get myself fit again and then, and then spent as I say, 18 months getting myself fit. And, you know, the psychological challenge of it was probably far harder than the physical challenge. And then I made a comeback and uh, in one of my sort of comeback games, I just got a tackle, my knee caved in again. And, you know, I knew immediately, Craig, that that was it. I knew that, um, you know, my knee wasn't up to it anymore. And, you know, it took me an awfully long time to sort of come to terms with it. And, and I'm sure anyone and, and, you know, crackers, Chris is a good example, but any player who's been through this, I, I, you know, it just affected me so badly and I didn't quite realize, and, you know, you know me quite well. I'm quite a jovial, optimistic, upbeat, sort of positive bloke. I was going through this sort of charade where I was always like, yeah, no, I'm fine. And then, you know, and then it sort of dawns on you that that part of your life is over. And it was almost like, and it sounds melodramatic, but it was almost like a bereavement, you know, like a part of me died. And I spent two, three, four years coming to terms with it. There's still a part of me that probably hasn't come to terms with the fact that that was taken from me. I just broke an international team, you know, my group, the, the group that won the World Cup in 20, in 2003. So I've always had this like really love-hate scenario. And um, I sort of felt, I think psychologically, the challenge was I felt like I'd let myself down. Like my body had let me down. Then I was like, so, and I was just, I was distraught. And, and someone, I went to see, I went to see a counsellor because I was just really struggling. And she quite rightly said, well, you know, your, your heart was broken, you know, uh, you know, that that just shattered into pieces. And I was like, oh, my God, you're absolutely right. And I reckon I was depressed, right, for probably two, three years. And yet I was still sort of like anyone who saw me out and about having a beer being my usual sort of fun self. But I think deep down I had massive, massive trauma. Uh, so, um, and then I sort of went to the RFU, the governing body, and just said, hey, by the way, I'm the National Sevens captain. I'm an player I'm one of your top guys uh, you know could you possibly pay my medical bills could you possibly like see your way to giving me some compensation because my career is over and they effectively told me to Oscar so um I was really incensed by that right 
personally, I took a real like umbrage to how arrogant and how, you know, completely, uh, just completely bad, how badly they behaved. So I ended up, um, I was sort of like, well, bollocks to this, you know, this is, this is wrong. And, and I won't be the last person this happens to. So I met with the professional cricketers association. There's a guy called Richard Bevan, who's now at the league managers association, who is my mentor is an absolute superstar of a bloke. And he just said, listen, come up, see what we do, bring your golf clubs. We'll, we'll knock a ball around. And that was it. And, and so I think maybe 18 months after my injury, I went around to the playing groups and said, listen, guys, I think we should set something up here that looks after players' rights. You know, the game's only going to get more and more challenging. Clubs are going bust. You know, the financial model was broken. And, uh, and that was 20 plus years ago. And uh, here we are today with 20 people working in the organisation. Uh, you know, we, we've helped so many players. And, you know, without sounding again too sort of zealous, you know, we've saved lives. Because people who who finish their careers, athletes who finish their careers prematurely, really struggle psychologically, and they really uh, find it hard to adapt to the real world. So we've done a huge amount of work in that area, particularly around mental health. And mm. I've had players, former players, come up to me and just you know, and and it's made me well up because it was me twenty years ago. They're saying if it wasn't for your brilliant team and what you guys do, I would not be here now. And I'm like, whoa. So, you know, it's sort of, and that's not self-congratulatory. That's just factual. So um, a rather long-winded answer. So so that's really, you know, how I fell into it. And, you know, it's a passion project. You know, there's a cause there that we all believe so passionately about in terms of our inner sort of workings and our team. So, um, yeah. Mate, that's a, a great story. And uh, so it was around 2000 when it all got set up, right? Uh, no, uh, 98, yeah, 98. We're, we're, 98, yeah. So it wasn't sort of long after that injury where you'd obviously sort of yeah. had those couple of years of sort of going, you know, what what now? And like, uh, you know, you, you were talking about you were depressed at a time when no one was really talking about depression and mental health wasn't even on the radar. And, um, you know, and, and then, you, you know, I spoke to Crackers about this fact too where he had a similar sort of career-ending uh, injury and so he went through that process of getting supported by you and he, he has nothing but great things to say about that whole thing of, um, uh, of the support that you now have in place there. So you must be really proud of actually setting, like, you know, seeing well i guess you 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 were part of an example of where people needed helping and then you but you, you know then you set about actually making sure there was infrastructure in place to 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 make sure people are helped both from a, a physical a mental uh, educational and even a career changing type of uh, advice right there's a really there's a there's a great quote by a guy called earl the pearl munro right and he was a NBA all-star player for the Knicks. In the... And he said that sport's the only career that when you retire, you have to get a job. Yeah. So, you know, we, you know people think about professional athletes. They think about footballers. They think about Merzat um, Ozil on 350 grand a week, right? That is not the scenario. The average salary in rugby is about 150, 160 grand a year. It's still fantastic money. No one's mm-hmm. denying. Listen, I tell you the one thing at the moment, really rung true is how lucky are athletes to be able to still apply their trade in the midst of a global pandemic right and you speak to any player 
and and the gratitude they have you know is extraordinary they're like my god thank god i can actually do what i'm paid to do so um but but certainly from a transition perspective you know you have to leave your one career and go into the next one and rugby's always been quite fortunate because a lot of the people involved are have tertiary education they come from a relatively good background good school all that sort of stuff um but what we're trying to do now is almost like um distill what that means so whether it's entrepreneurial flair whether it's relationship based um work after uh, after sport a lot of players go into education a lot go into financial services you know a lot are starting to do their own things so it's just trying to give those players some support and guidance and signpost them into their next career because the the all the research that's been done is that two years after you retire from sport and i would absolutely concur with this is are the darkest because you have no sense of esteem like someone's told you for 10 years where to be what to do what to wear and how to perform suddenly you're on your own right so whether you've got a young family uh whether you've got you know you're sort of there going i don't know who i am like how does this work and i think that becomes a real challenge for uh for, for you know again back to the psychological challenge these you know boys and girls are used to 20 to eighty thousand people cheering them on a weekend they're used to physically <laughs> hitting people as part of their life. <laughs> and suddenly they're in the supermarket on saturday afternoon traipsing around sort of going my god i used to be someone like what is this you know so that transition piece is really important to try and just help and you you know you listen to any players recently retired or indeed long time retired and they all say the same so it's about trying to find that balance between the person the human the athlete and then what happens next so good and uh, i i sort of part of my new year's resolution is i decided that 2021 was going to be the year of giving back right trying to work out a way as to how you can kind of give back to the planet and i think if we all did that um you know it sort of might see us through this year uh and you're you know you've obviously been doing that for 20 years there's not that many people who can actually say that they've sort of set something up from scratch that actually purely is about giving back to a group of people um so well done on that well you know and look uh, the thing is like you know i I, and this was triggered by a number of messages i got on the back of the new year's honors you know rugby has always been such a phenomenal part of my life growing up with two older brothers we used to kick a ball and other most days in the holidays and and we were at a great rugby school kneeling called St Benedict's and then I was lucky enough to go off to Harrow for my sixth form again my parents sacrificed a huge amount to get me there and I, I was under the tutelage of Roger Utley and um who was a England coach a few years later so you know rugby has always been a huge part it's in my heart right so the giving back thing yeah it's 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 wonderful to still be involved it's challenging and it can be really thankless right and so mm. that's hard and the the changing dynamic of the player is not how it used to be when i played and, and now clearly it's a lot more commercial but but actually you know when you do get a thank you from players and when you do things that are positive for the sport be it mental health be it you know helping someone when they move into their next career it's a hugely rewarding thing and you know i've got mates of mine who've who have gone on to be have stellar business careers they've made an awful lot of money you know houses all around the world um deeply unhappy (laughs) uh 
you know, and, and you sort of, and I look at my life, you know, I'm, I turned 50 in lockdown, which actually I'd really recommend because it saved a fortune on the drinks bills. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but, you know, I turned 50 in lockdown and, and lockdown has been very interesting for me because I live on my own, I'm single and, and I, um, you have to reflect a lot on your life. Like, you know, you think, well, you know, is this it? Is this what, and what I've really discovered in lockdown is a, how did I live my life like I did before at 300 miles an hour, right? And I, don't, and I genuinely cannot tell you how I did what I used to do, running, rushing around. But also it's given me a real sense of like what, what, I really, what I truly value in my life. And, um, you know, I'm very lucky. I come from a fantastic family. Like, my God, you know, talk about blessings. My parents, my brothers, uh, their wives, the families, my nephews, nieces, then just it's absolutely incredible so that's probably really heightened that but also just the quality of my friends the people around me and the love that I have both for them and for me um and they for me has been incredible so I think that's that that's been one of the real benefits of of this whole giving back thing but also now the sort of currency of just you know feeling like you're in a uh, a, an environment where you know, you, you have love and there's love all around you. And I think that's, that's, that's got to be a good thing. And, and even though it's a pretty depressing and dark time for everyone, you know, I think that that's sort of keeping me going through the, the tougher times. So has this, cause it sort of blends or sort of feeds nicely into the sort of, I guess the next conversation I was having is that you're, you're obviously a big advocate of looking after yourself, both physically, probably mentally. I don't know much about that section. Certainly the chiropractic side of things, um, given that this is a Cairo podcast slash Insta Live, we should probably mention the chiropractor. Um, By the way, I went back and looked. Uh, It was the um, September 2008 was when you first came into Putney Chiropractic. And look at me now. (laughs) Four inches taller, half a stone lighter. (laughs) A, a, a coffee, a coffee addiction. <laughs> and you know, just on the on the on the on you know, Putney Cairo, right? Because you and I were chatting. We, we, we met skiing. You and I were chatting, and I was like, "Well, what do I need?" A, you know, like what what is that all about? I came in, saw an assessment, had an assessment with you. Met Luke, um, got adjusted by yourself and Luke for many years. Now get adjusted by Dr. Brian who is phenomenal. I was in seeing him this morning. He is, I was trying to think about how I described Dr. Brian. And I was going to say he's got like the fastest crack in the West, but I thought that just sounded terrible. So, but he is brilliant. And I genuinely come out feeling like, you know, two inches taller, feeling just a lot more aligned and together. And it's just part of my, you know, routine now. And, and, and Brian is, he is absolutely brilliant. Um, as you all are. Um, and the environment, uh, you know, is something that I just re- really enjoy. I go to a, well, when it's open, I go to a yoga place just down the road from me called the Power Yoga Company. And there's something about walking in there where you just suddenly feel really calm and just really, you think this is a good place to be. And it's exactly the same with Putney Cairo. I walk in, normally late, um, and there's just a nice sort of, you know, zen about the place. I just think, oh, this is good. You know, I'm doing something good for myself again, which has been another byproduct 
heightened by uh, by 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 lockdown. So, um, the, the, yeah. does, does that go back to though? Obviously, you you went through that sort of all the injuries and sort of challenges associated with finishing the um, finishing your career. But uh, you've definitely like you're not just an investor in your health with regards to chiropractic visits. Like you said, you mentioned yoga whenever. Yeah. You're going down there. I think Pilates you sort of dabble into as well. Um, yeah. But you're obviously a member of the Evolve Gym community too, right? Yeah. I'm just going to go for a walk because my someone just turned up at the front door. This is this is properly live stuff. Just live, live at its best. <laughs> so so there we go. Um, um, hey hey. Um, and um, but yeah. So so I joined Evolve. Um, maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago. Yeah. I met Ollie Wegg. I was down at Goodwood, actually, which is a place you know well, and Drew knows well, and I've seen lots of pictures of you guys there over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was down at Goodwood with some friends having an extraordinary time and helped by the Mirabeau uh, Rosé stand that was there. <laughs> and anyway, I met, I met Ollie through, through a friend, and we just got chatting and um, he said, look, come down, like, you know, check it out. I said, you know, I always walk past Evolve and I always think, oh, it's good. And I went in there and just haven't looked back. And, you know, Dave, Ashton, I mean, Ollie's no longer there. Uh, they've just taken on a new troop. So they've got um, a brilliant trainer called Lucy who's just joined. So we're doing a lot of online, well, just only doing online stuff now. But again, it was just a, a different way of training. And I sort of managed that with um, some spinning work at Digme or yoga work or Pilates at Hardcore and, um, the the you know, question, mate. What you know, many people who just turned fifty uh, do not do that. Do not invest in their health in that same way. And what is it about you that, uh, or what what can you do to or offer to inspire others to be uh, embracing it in the same way you do? Well, first things first. I'm incredibly vain, so uh, that probably is a good. <laughs> and I'm single, right? That's a good starter. No, I. You know, I just enjoy the rush of feeling good I, I like to feel good like so um and 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 the endorphins from training or fun enough this week I've been just getting into a bit of yoga because I'm just feeling like I've not been doing a lot for a while so uh again online with Digme who've been brilliant they've got their studios all over London but they're doing a lot of stuff at home um but just doing some sort of really gradual yin sort of flow stuff has been good but yeah, you know, I, I I really enjoy feeling well. You know, it's good. It's good for me. So, um, and I like looking after myself. And and maybe that, you know, uh, if I don't, I just sort of think, you know, start your day well. Like this morning, I went down to see Brian, who cracked me into shape. I had a coffee. I went for a walk along the river, and I, you know, I just thinking, well, it's not too bad. You know, lockdowns not that bad, really. So, yeah, you know, I I just enjoy. Um, Look, I, I enjoy being well. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts over lockdown for the last year, you know, um, whether it's um, Fern Cotton or um, Rangan Chatterjee, um, Live Well, Feel Better, I think it is, and various others. Um, so just, yeah, just learning and just sort of take, And also I think what's really important, Craig, is, is having an open mind because a lot of people I talk to just go, oh, no, I, I don't want to do that. And I'll just try stuff out because I just think it's sort of – why, why you know i've 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 done a few um retreats like the body camp in uh in ether and i went actually i was in bali this time last year with them and uh, i'm gonna try and that's uh, called the um what is it i the body camp is uh the guys that you've hooked up with right? 
totally one in Mallorca, one in Ibiza. And I promise you, do it, right? Just don't even think about it. Either go on your own, which I did, which I really enjoyed, because you can just, you probably talk about bigger stuff with total strangers than you would do unless, you know, if you were, you know, in, in a sort of environment with a friend. So, you know, go with a friend or what have you. But but it's holistic, it's sort of, and it's super fun. And the people there have got great hearts and have got a great outlook. The food is plant-based, which I think people sort of fret about. But Ben, who's the chef there, is brilliant. Rick, the head coach. So the, the lot is just, and it's just a really self-indulgent way to look after yourself. You know, you come back from a holiday feeling like a million dollars, not feeling like you need a holiday. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that's it. And and I just feel, you know, it's sort of practice what you preach, isn't it? Because, yeah, we're all about the RPA. We're all about, you know, looking after yourselves, um, healthy body, healthy mind, all this sort of stuff. So I just sort of feel it's incumbent to sort of try and live a bit of the values that you preach. Well, that's what I ask. So you've already answered that question, but it, it's the same as all the chiropractors we have. Uh, basically, you, you kind of have to lead by example because no one wants to go to a chiropractor who's like overweight or who's, you know, um, yeah. cigarette smoke in the old days used to be the way. Um, yeah. or- it's, and it's like, you know, personal trainers who are th- three times the size of you and you're thinking there's something not quite right here, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I, I just think there's a sort of, terrible word authenticity about all of this stuff we where but but you know it just and actually uh, you know i found that's funny if i was talking to a really good friend of mine recently and she was saying she struggles with her sleep patterns and she you know and i was like well you know maybe start and end the day with some really good routine right so that's what i try to do and and listen i'm not a well-being guru by any stretch and anyone who knows me well and has seen me out on the razzle will know i'm not all about well-being but uh balance i think it is but but you know and it, it's exactly and and i think it's about you know start the day well good decisions beget good decisions so you know if it's a walk to go and see brian at, at partly cairo or just a walk to go and have a coffee then do an online session with evolve then start work and then do something else in the evening and then you you know trying to switch your devices and keep your phone out of your bedroom and all these sorts of things and the thing that i found really interesting is there is so much available online that is free is really high value like quality value in terms of what what's available to you and if you just get into it's just a small um routine you know then that that's an important part of going yeah okay well i can do this and and, and having a bit of sort of self-confidence and drive about Uh you well of everything in moderation how's the dry january going because i know you and i are partaking in the dry january this is the easiest dry january i've ever had because there's nowhere to go right there's no <laughs> one to so there's no one like going oh mate let's go out so i'm yeah i'm sort of loving it you know and actually i've, I've done dry january for a number of years and um if the temptations were there, I just think it'd be a lot harder but i i actually do you know i forget how productive i am in january i mean i you know, there's that terrible sort of smug dry January sort of thing. But but I just forget how um, much I like waking. I mean, my sleep's a bit better. You know, I'm getting up, I'm doing things. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's good. You know, uh, I've been wearing the old Whoop thing for a little while now. Do you know about Whoop? I don't. Oh, well, I don't think I should tell you about it because you're going to be definitely an embracer of the technology. Um Whoop, by the way, will be our future sponsors of the podcast, I'm sure, once they hear this amazing chat. 
queuing up. You'll have to do like daily podcasts at this rate. <laughs> They'll be queuing up to give us money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, no. But look, uh, what it is is it measures heart rate variability, sleep, and resting heart rate, and a whole pile of other things. But you know what I was really annoyed about is it mainly sort of packages all that up into like a recovery score for your start of your of your day, right? Based on hours of sleep and heart rate variability and all that. So, but for the first pretty much 10 days of dry January, my recovery was rubbish. Um, Yeah. And I'm like, what? And nearly to the point where on day seven, I'm like, well, stuff it. It's obviously not working. I better get back on the booze and just sort of balance it out a bit. But um, for the last five days, I've been in the green, which is sort of, you know, uh, over 70% recovery. And it's really interesting to, to sort of have actually measured what dry January does where your body freaks out a bit. It's sort yeah. of to sort of adjust. There's this like period of like what the hell is going on uh, and then you get the benefit, better benefit, once you've been stuck at it for over 10 days. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I, wear, I wear a Fitbit and my heart rate has gone down significantly in dry January. And also we, you talked about mental. So we... we uh through through work again practicing what you preach um uh, i've got a brilliant ceo at work called stuart monday who's been with me for 15 years and he is a phenomenon right uh, god knows what we'd all do without him but he introduced the london meditation center to us so that would have been october 2018 and we had with michael and jillian there if anyone knows them they're brilliant and they came in for a three-day workshop and taught us all how to med- meditate, right? So we were all given a mantra, um, which you repeat yourself. You know, we're doing like 20-minute meditations. and blah, blah, blah. So the plan is to do that twice a day. I've not quite reached that. But certainly, uh, I meditate now more than I have done. And I know it's not for everyone, right? And I know it, it can be quite hard. But actually, you know, the fact that thoughts are just whizzing into your head while you're meditating is a good sign. It shows that you're meditating, right? Mm. And then mantra and all this sort of stuff. But I couldn't recommend them highly enough in terms of just trying something different out. And I've tried Headspace, which has been good. But this one I just find as a non-guided meditation is just better for me. So I'll wake up in the morning, like I was saying, my morning routine, and I'll do like a 20-plus minute meditation and just calm my thoughts down and as I said, my heart rate now has dropped from like 60 pre-Christmas. I'm now at 46, you know, all sort of stuff. So the measurement is, is definitely good. And, uh, yeah, just trying to, again, just trying different things to see what works for you. And, and you know, not everything will. And, and like, the, there'll be stuff that you, 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 you know, it doesn't serve you, so you just move on. But I just think that sort of um, approach yeah. is, is open yeah. mind is important that it changes is sort of your inflammatory reaction to things as well. And, you know, I had a bit of a cycling-related right hip sort of niggly thing that no amount of chiropractic could sort out. But then I stopped drinking for two weeks. I was feeling loads better. Yeah, yeah. You know, also, the problem drink. I mean, I think this is what we're, what we've, what we're all learning. <laughs> Life is a lot better, but sadly a lot quieter without drink. Mm. Who knew? Um, well, that's good, mate. Um, I, well, maybe we should, uh, like, I see we've got a few people joining the conversation here. We've got Ed Waite. Uh, your mate Elvis is even in there. Uh, well, he's coming in from Portugal. Unbelievable. Is he? I'm surprised. 
I'm sure they've dragged him out of BJ's or Maria's or wherever he goes most weekends. So uh, lovely to see you. I see my mate Rich before. Who's, so Richie Bell, who was the guy I was with when we got that, that, that cap that I gave you. Uh, as also, he might have dropped off by now, but Belly is one of the all-time Australians. You would love him. He, uh, uh, I was going to see uh, our sponsors, Ground Coffee Society. We're on there for a moment. <laughs> the one thing that that you do appreciate more and more as you get older, and I don't, I'll sound like an old fart now, but you know, is the, the, what, what rugby has given me is this ability to travel pretty much anywhere in the world and have mates through rugby, through mates, sort of all that sort of stuff. And Belly and I had the most, but we had four days together, or maybe three days together in Brisbane, and we just had a ball. It was such a laugh. And, you know, the Lions are supposed to be going to South Africa this year uh, in July, August, and I've got great mates down there. So I'm hoping that that, that, that will happen in South Africa. Um, but uh, so that, that, you know, that is one of the things that now I look back and think I'm so bloody lucky to have had the experience and, and the, 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 the ability to meet, and make friends globally because of the sport that I played. And yeah, that sort of really instills some of the love that I still feel for, for the environment I'm in. Yeah, what we did obviously meet originally was in Verbier skiing. And because uh, there was also, I remember at the time being stuck uh, out the back with Warren Smith, uh, our other sponsor uh, from the ski academy, who poor chap must be like, dying a bit out there without any British tourists out there and all that. But um, now remember you, you at the time still had a pretty dodgy knee and it's one of the other motivators for you to actually get yourself um, like structurally and balanced and aligned and all that sort of stuff is that, that still ongoing knee thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, like I said, I had, a, I had my, my 10th or 11th operation on it uh, in 2019 God, the years are flying, but um, and they sort of and I was really struggling, Craig. I couldn't, um, I, I'd be like walking down the street and suddenly it's like a sniper just shot me in the knee. I'd be like, Whoa, anyway. Uh, John Webb, who who the more experienced visitors on here will know, uh, the England fullback from the um 80s 91 World Cup. Um, Webby's my surgeon, and he and I and I said, Listen, man, I'm struggling, and he whipped me in and, and basically found like two bits of cartilage floating around my knee that were like teeth. Um, so he sort of took those out and uh, God willing, touching wood ever since then, my knee's been good, you know, and, and I actually went skiing last, last year. I bought a season pass thinking I was going to have a really good year out there. And of course my knee, anyway, so I didn't get out until March and I skied for four hours in Verbier. And then, uh, they said the mountains now shut the season's over. So I'd spent 1200 Swiss francs to ski for four hours, which was, uh, you know, probably the, the worst return I've ever had in this ski resort ever. So uh, anyway, but listen, God willing, we can get out there this year and uh, and give it another go. But the knee was fine when I did ski, which was the most important thing. Brilliant. Uh, hey, look, I wanted to just, let's divert back to the RPA slightly again. Um, what advice can you, because you know I'm a mad cycling nut and obviously you need to be getting back on that bike and investing in the bike is your next 2021 project just for the sake of your knee. Listen, uh, well, I'll take this offline, but I'm actually I'm doing something about that today. Are you really? Nice. But because um, I know you've had meetings and I'm sure over the years you've met everyone. I, I didn't know that the RPA kind of, I guess, came out of the Cricket uh, Players Association. But I think over the years you've had meetings with the Aussie Rules guys. And uh, did you even have a meeting with the CPA, the sort of cycling mob? Do you know, I met with um, David Miller. David Miller. 
when he was looking to stand, and I think he did stand for the CPA, um, and I just talked, he came to, actually, we have a big awards dinner every year, well, when when Uncle Boris allows us, uh, and hopefully we will again soon, but we have a big dinner every year at Battersea Evolution, where we get a thousand people there, it's a great and a good, and it's a properly, it's a, it's a star-studded and extraordinary event that our team put on. And David Miller came one year and just went, this is unbelievable. Like, this is unbelievable. And, you know, again, people walk in and they sort of, they can't believe there's only 20 of us who work at the RPA. They think it's like a sort of multi, you know, departmental. And that speaks volumes to the quality of the people, you know, that, that, that are on our team. But he, so he came, so we went and had a conversation and, um, you know, met up with him. And uh, I think whilst he didn't get elected, there were certainly a lot of questions that he was asking that really, shook things up and obviously you look at the PFA now in football they're going through a quite a seismic uh, shift in terms of their leadership and purpose um so yeah we I guess in many ways no one's trying to reinvent the wheel there's a lot of player associations and it's a growing you know I guess environment and sector and you look at the North American sports the NFL the NHL the NBA all of them have got very strong vibrant player associations so you know we we got sports association of the year awarded that last year um, you know, we are seen as a sort of real sort of, I guess, uh, flag flag bearer for for, for this sector. Um, you know, along with cricket um, and doing a lot of work on behalf of the membership. Um, but we also learn from what's happening in other sports. And there might be one. You know, I'm sure, Craig, when you go to chiropractic conferences and catch up with colleagues and peers from around the world, there'll be one or two things you go, "Oh my God, that would work so well for us." Yes, that's so so. We're not reinventing the wheel, but we're just sort of saying, look, you know, let's look elsewhere and see what see what other sports do to look after their own. Um, and look, we, you know, rugby's got a big crisis looming around the early onset of dementia. There's a legal case being brought against the governing bodies, which is a really tragic story, right? Most importantly, you know, the, the human nature of that is is awful, and seeing those players and their families who suffered. Um, so, you know, that's the next thing is like, okay, well, how do we look after these players better when they retire? They don't just fall off the edge of the, of the treadmill, uh, conveyor belt. And then, you know, they're left to their own devices. So we have a charity called Restart, which we set up, um, nearly 20 years ago. And that's all about helping players, you know, psychologically, physically, mentally, they might fall on hard times. Um, and we, you know, we need to do a lot more in that space because that's going to grow and grow in terms of the demands. But that's where Crackers was telling me that uh, it's obviously not just a membership that is taken as a, you know, if you are a player, you obviously do contribute a small amount, but then you get a lot of sponsorship and the charity side of things is, is quite a big part of the, the financial backing you can offer these players in the future too, right? That's right. And then, the, as I said, the transition element, but also the sort of, you know, helping players. I, I had a player recently, um, in fact, one of my colleagues has just joined, Jake Abbott, um, former Worcester player now working at Worcester and Wasps. And one of the Wasp players uh, has sort of reached out about, you know, help in a certain area. And I guess where rugby's quite well placed is we, there's a lot of good connections within the sport, you know. And, and you know, I might say to you, hey, Craig, do you know someone in that space? And you go, yeah, yeah, of course, I'll dial you in. And, and rugby's good at that. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a sort of, old boy old girl network that exists and people by and large want to help good people you know it's like uh it's like all these things if you can build good relationships whilst you're playing then you you're sort of set yourself up but if you're a bit of a dickhead then you know good luck to you yeah yeah very good mate um well, 
Well, so, you know, obviously I was a bit worried that this uh, conversation early on was going to turn into a dating service for Damien Hopley, but you're not allowed to be, you did drop to the fact that you are single. So, you know, any ladies yeah. like to get in touch? Um, For the watershed, stop, stop, stop. Um, the other thing that has been very good about lockdown, and I'm not going to do it for you, I'm pleased to say, but has been, so it's like taking up new skills or doing stuff or reading or, you know, like I just read a great book called Good Vibes, Good Life by Vex King, which is recommended by uh, a very wonderful person. And um, that's been really good. And so a bit of the old self-help books, but also I had a message from a friend of mine in South Africa whose daughter is learning the piano, right? She said, hey, Hoppers, you know, blah, 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 what do you reckon? And suddenly I just thought, you know, lockdown, it's a good time. So I, I'm very lucky. I, I learned the piano when I was younger, and it's a really important part of my life. Um, you know, not only to entertain people and myself, but actually I find it a great way of unwinding, you know, and, and just sitting down at the piano, not every night, but some nights and just sort of... Um, yeah, having a having a a, a, a tinkle and, and and learning stuff. But so and for for the last five years, I've been thinking I must learn the opening sequence to Piano Man. And anyway, found it on YouTube. As a result, my friends have getting in touch with me. Blah, blah, blah. So that is now in the locker. So that's good. I've locked that away. And it's just and then you know just finding songs that I go, oh, I'd love to play that. And then again, you go on YouTube, you go to Sheet Music Direct, and you just go, okay, this is good. So there's a lot of nourishment that you can get, even though it's a pretty crappy time for everyone. But it's like that mindfulness thing. You know, again, we weren't talking about mindfulness 10 years ago, but that's effectively what you get when you're playing a musical instrument um, or it's what you get when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, you know. Um, and I haven't got onto jigsaws just yet, but, uh, you know. Well, we got some for Christmas for the kids. So uh, we've just done a thousand piece at a Where's Wally one, and it was a bit of a shocker, but it's really good. <laughs> Um, but mate, we should wrap this thing up. Thank you very much for your time and sharing um, some of the gems with us. Um, uh, have you got any parting? I mean, you've given us loads of different bits of advice for anyone who's struggling at the moment um, relative to your experience when you ended up struggling back in '96 and what lessons you learned and how you're sort of sharing that today. And I think everyone can use those lessons that you've spoken about through this whole thing um, yeah. as to how through this kind of lockdown pandemic sort of time. Hey? Yeah, and, and also I think, you know, like for, for me, I'm a sort of serial messenger, texter, all this sort of stuff, right? And what I've actually really enjoyed in lockdown is calling people. Right. And I don't call and, and like I like as I've proved for the last 45, 50 minutes, I can talk, right? So I enjoy, you know, gassing and actually, you know, actually scheduling calls with people like on weekends and saying, hey, let's catch up and not house parties because I'm not boozing, you know, all that sort of stuff. But actually I've sort of quite enjoyed that, you know, and that, that ability to actually have meaningful conversations with people, not just messages. Blah, blah, blah. Um and sort of reconnect and um you know look i i it, it's i know a lot of people are finding this this time very challenging i think particularly with the crappy weather and 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 everything but i think you know i was very lucky here's a good closing anecdote i was very lucky 
great friend of mine, Damien Stork, runs a company called Chamonix Hardcross, right? And we now do a trek to the Alps every September, or did do when we were allowed to. And about two years ago, three years ago, we had a guy called Ed Jackson join us on this trek. So Ed uh, is was uh, uh, was an outstanding rugby player, played at um, Bath, Wasps, um, London Welsh. Anyway, suffered a very serious spinal injury, diving into the shallow end of a swimming pool, uh, basically compressed and uh, um, damaged vertebrae in his back. Um, almost died on the way to the hospital, having suffered this. His father sort of is a GP and saw that he was struggling. Anyway, long story short, Ed was told he'd never walk again. And um, 18 months later, we were climbing Mont Bouet, a 10,000 feet mountain in the Alps, right? With Ed and basically two poles and just dragging his left hip behind him. And we got to the top of this thing and then Ed just said a few words and, you know, it will stay with me forever and a day. And he just said, you know, we should all really focus on what we've got and what we don't have. And, you know, not a dry eye on the mountain, let me tell you. And still goosebumping now thinking about it because I think this pandemic has proven, you know, we've probably all got a lot more than we realise and we should be a lot more grateful for what we have. And and a lot of that starts with ourselves and actually, you know, loving and looking after ourselves and yeah. then that to other people. And, 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 you know, I mean, Ed now has gone on to, ironically, you know, he was a 28 year old. I mean, he's a beautiful man, got a beautiful wife. Uh, and he, he says now, you know, I'm actually glad that happened to me. My life is better for what happened to me as a result of that swimming pool. Uh, accident because I've done things I would never have dreamt of. I'm out of my comfort zone. Still has significant physical challenges with 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 his injury, mm. but I think you know you know we, we've we can all um, help ourselves by looking after ourselves, and and that becomes a sort of important part of a daily sort of routine. Um, and it, you know it could be ten minutes a day. It doesn't have to be sort of Ironman efforts, but you know you feel good about yourself. And, and I think that's, um, yeah, you, you, and uh, we can guarantee with night follows day in the current environment, there are people who are considerably worse off than we are. Yeah. That, that is a fantastic way to summarize, uh, the entire chat. You've, uh, proved your, your, your guest, uh, pedigree perfectly with that. Quite by the way, I didn't, I missed that bit of the, there was a, the, did you get my rider? I was slightly upset that, oh, you've got, you, your screen's frozen. Hang on. <laughs> uh, buddy. But no, mate, uh, all very good to catch up. This is all part, in fact, everyone should go to the RPA uh, Insta account because they also did a great little summary or a, uh, a handout, a, a sheet or, a, you know, 10 things to get you through lockdown, um, little something. And again, and, you know, those are the things that we're just trying to keep our, athletes but it's the same for everyone right you know we, we, we're all going through this together and we can all learn an awful lot from from what's going on around us but you know keep smiling and and try and accentuate the positives as they say because it really does make a big difference and um you know just the smallest things whether that's random acts of kindness or just you know some sort of self-care and self-love i think make it make a huge difference so okay Great. Thanks, mate. And thank you for all the guests joining us. There's uh, Mrs. McLean. Finn was there. Um, I expect 
spectacular dancer, your wife. We, we had a very good dance off at the uh, at the house festival one year, but maybe that's another podcast that we could we could we could get someone else to sponsor. <laughs> oh, there's Conrad joining us just right at the end. Uh, he's missed the gold. A hey, good timing, Conrad. Well done. Uh, and uh, Ed Waite obviously was on there, uh, rugby player extraordinaire and skiing extraordinaire. Exactly. Um, ha- mate, lovely to see you. Uh, I'll see you very soon for a, uh, a coffee and bike chat. Perfect. Be well. Lots of love. Adam, man. Bye. Bye.